Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. First part of the show, we'll try to explain to you what we're attempting to do and who pays for it. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we attempt to do is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be incarcerated, to come out of incarceration, and learn to live back in the community. We do that in several different ways, but certainly one of them is this radio show that we've been doing for well over six years now. And if you go back to the archives of KBXL and look up past shows, you'll see uh, all sorts of different uh, shows that we've had. We've had all the directors of the Department of Corrections on. We've had state senators. We've had uh, local politicians. We've had a governor. We have people who came right out of prison and came into the studio. One gentleman actually was going right back into prison, and he was in the studio just before he went back in. Also, organizations who support people coming out of incarceration are there on there and represented Represented, represented. Apologize, and um, we look. We are proud of that body of work. Go back and take a look at it. You may learn something about the Department of Corrections here in Idaho, and we want to be supportive. In addition to that, we also do a twenty-minute PowerPoint presentation for your local church group, your neighborhood association, or your workplace. Let's say, if you would want somebody to come in and give a twenty-minute PowerPoint, it'll be led by a returning citizen, and then they will stay afterward and actually answer questions about incarceration and kind of blending back into the community. If you've been listening to me over the period of years, you know that we've grown in terms of our operation. Uh, We now have two offices. One of them, the main office is in Boise, Idaho at 3217 West Overland. There we try to be the first stop for everybody coming out of incarceration. Uh, if you come by the office as you relieve, uh, released from prison, we'll give you clothing vouchers, bus passes. We'll link you up with some food. And I've got a real strong employee sta- employee development staff that'll help you get a job, find a place to work, and support you basically uh, for those first couple of days. In addition, if you're looking at uh, to get picked up from the institution, you don't have a ride. Have your program, ma- have your case manager send me a uh, invitation to pick you up, and we will do so. We'll come out and pick you up, and then walk you through the first couple of days of life back in the community. I did not mention that we do also have this operation in Canyon County in Caldwell area, and it is located inside the PNP office at uh, 3110 uh, Caldwell Boulevard, uh, Cleveland Boulevard, I think it is. And actually, we're inside the PMP office. So go in there and ask for St. Vincent Paul, and we'll support you in that way. Any questions that you might have, you can always direct to www.svdpid.org, and you should get your answers. We're going we're gonna to interview a, a nice young lady today who's just been out of incarceration, is on fire to make things change. And we'll be right back to meet her in just a second. 
The Idaho Justice Project is a new statewide nonpartisan organization to improve Idaho's justice system. Idaho has the third highest rate of people under corrective control in the entire country. Idaho's jails and prison are beyond capacity, but most are there for nonviolent crimes like drug addiction or probation and parole violations. The Idaho Department of Corrections spent over $309 million in 2020. 37% of people released from prison in 2016 reoffended within three years. 62% of Idaho's yearly prison admissions are for a probation or parole violation, the highest rate in the country. The average probation term in Idaho has grown by 109% since 2000. As of June 30th, 2020, there were over 17,000 Idahoans on probation or parole. One out of every 38 adults is on probation in Idaho. For more information on how you can help and get involved with the Idaho Justice Project, go to 3217 West Overland Road, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to noon, and ask for Mark. Okay, this afternoon it's kind of nice to have a new face that we've just met recently in the last、uh, six weeks or so.、Uh, Nova, Nova Yarnell is here. She's a returning citizen, a daughter of the King Most High, which I liked. <laughs> She'd like to introduce herself, and she's also an advocate for those of us who have been incarcerated. Welcome to the show, Nova. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you having me here today. Yeah, this is absolutely great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where you were born, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm originally from Post Falls, Idaho. Born and raised, born in a little trailer park there. I hailed from there and moved to Boise、uh, when my ex husband and I moved here about, oh, I don't know, it was 2005, I believe. I was going to BSU. It was a great place to raise a child, so we decided to get married and have our daughter here. Then after that, I loved it so much, I just stayed. Yeah. And、uh, I love Boise, it's a phenomenal place. So, uh, certainly, uh, the work that you did, let's say, before we're going to assume you got in trouble because you're on my radio show and we're talking about life after incarceration. What was leading up to、uh, your difficulties with the law here in Idaho and what were you doing? You know, Mark, I've done a lot of really great things in my life.、Um, wholeheartedly, I've realized, though, a lot of it was done out of manipulation、mm-hmm. and not persuasion.、Um, And that is、um, kind of what led up to it.、Um, it was kind of a catalyst. I, I got a divorce. I had, I had brain surgery. Wow, brain、um, surgery. I was on a lot of pain pills and、um, extremely addicted. I ruined relationships.、Um, I was ruining my life. And、I've, I pushed a hard and fast self destruct button after my divorce, especially, and decided that、um, I just didn't want to exist. I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't understand what this life was about. That started my criminal activity after my divorce. I said, I'm going to try anything and everything and do it all. And so I did. And、uh, the state of Idaho usually doesn't like that when they catch up with you.、Uh, you know,、uh, I think God doesn't love it.、Um, I was in a, a rebellion, a major rebellion, and、uh, I was running from God. I didn't want to face any of the demons that I had wholeheartedly accepted into my life. Just really destroyed many relationships and.、Um, Realize now what I had done to my community as well and the state that I love. And it just、uh, comes with shame and guilt that you have to look at. Does the、uh, is incarceration cause you to look back or were you looking back before then? I started to look back a little bit before.、Um, I will never forget the day that I cried out. I was actually back in Coeur d'Alene. I had moved back from here to Coeur d'Alene to kind of run. I'd lost my daughter. I was sitting on a park bench、uh, and it was. Thanksgiving or Christmas time in Coeur d'Alene, and it was so wide out. There wasn't a single soul downtown Coeur d'Alene, and it was just me and God. And I looked up at him and I said, You know what, man, if you're real, you need to show me because 
I just don't want to do this anymore. And so that was the first piece of surrender that I'd really ever had in my life where I said, you know, I don't got this. Mm-hmm. Did something happen immediately or? You know, it did. Honestly, there was uh, a lot of things that happened very quickly that I was almost started to question my sanity. I thought, what in the world is going on here? Um, immediately, you know, I, I had uh, went to my probation officer there and I uh, said, listen, I need some help. I, I, don't, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Uh, and he put me in a sober living there. Um, okay. I'd gotten myself in some rough situations with men and um, was not safe. And so I did that. You know, I was still, I had gotten sober. You know, God has just changed my whole life. I want you to know that I was doing meth, heroin, fentanyl, marijuana, alcohol, sleeping with every single man I could, trying to fill that hole in my heart. And it just did not happen. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And um, I started doing some AA and NA and, you know, I was back in church and uh, at the sober living and I uh, met another guy online at about the same time that, you know, I thought, oh, this sober living is just not going to work for me. You know, oh, what are all these rules? I was very yeah. entitled. Um, I did not have an ounce of gratitude in my heart, probably at that point, even still. And looking back, uh, that sober living was just a phenomenal place. They held me accountable. You know, I had UAs. I had to do all the stuff. Um, I had some counseling and programming, and I got to about halfway through programming, and I was like, "Can we just be done with this?" <laughs> I have nothing. uh, This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And looking at it now, as I was sitting in that um, class, it was an MRT class. I had some classmates say, well, what brought you here? And I said, my probation officer. (laughs) And they said, no, it was God. Yeah. Well, I think MRT too is, um, I could sort of like MRT. I think people are mixed on it, but um, it uh, allows you to be creative in who you answer to and who Mm -hmm. you can uh, address and you have to do it in front of people. Yeah, I don't care what you believe in. I mean, competition's good for business, you know what I mean? Uh, A gas station down the road has another gas station, but it's good for business. So whatever your thoughts and beliefs, man, you you just really have to figure it out. And that's what I had to do. I had to figure out what my thoughts and beliefs were and where I'd gone wrong. And uh, You were in the the sober living house, though, before incarceration or after incarceration? Before incarceration, I was there. I'd (laughs) only been there for probably a month. I was still drinking and smoking weed Mm -hmm. and thought, Eh, I don't have a problem with that. If God made it, then what's the deal? And I had a problem with authority too, um, honestly. Well, I think a lot of, I'm an addict too, and I think a lot of uh, addicts, we tend to think of ourselves as certainly um, the greatest thing in the world and we can handle anything and, you know, please don't tell me what to do and uh, I don't want to listen (laughs) to you and I want to take care of my own life. So that's certainly a characteristic of most of us addicts. Yeah, well, I, I had some real gems in my pocket at that time that I did not use. I should have seen it coming <laughs> so, but something happened so you were pulled into the system i take it yeah i am um, you know my probation officer violated me on 21 accounts <laughs> everything from not uh not doing the counseling to not uh, you know completing the program to dirty uas uh and i still at that point was like well i'm not wrong <laughs> yeah. and uh I got a free ride back to Boise, back to which Boise. I love. I know. That's a, that's a great bus ride, I understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, God gave me a vision a long time ago with my life and incarceration and like prisons and stuff. And I used, to, when I would vote, I would just vote so passionately about these things. And I never realized what I was seeing till now. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really see the whole picture. You only see the step in front of you. And then as it unfolds, you kind of get a broader, broader look at it. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was always supposed to be involved. I just didn't know to what level. I didn't really think I was going to be. I think 
personally that I put myself there so that I could see what it was all about. Well, it's, you put yourself there or the situations that God yeah. kind of puts you in that situation. I think that's where it was for me. I know that I was, uh, when I finally got alone and got in some trouble, was thrown in the hole finally. And for something, I always say that, when I say I got thrown in the hole, I always follow it up by saying, by something I ironically did not do. Uh, but I was alone, and it was God almost reaching out to me and saying, Mark, I've been trying to get your attention for 50 years, so maybe now we can talk. But there's nobody around here, and there's no phones, and there's no books, and there's no anything. So that was what kind of got to me. And it's, so you got some alone time, I take it. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't thrown in the hole, but... Uh... <laughs> I immediately complied. Yeah. And once I got into Ada County, I realized I was like, oh man, what do you mean? I don't have the opportunity to do good for others and to go volunteer and to go like, it just, it showed me all of the things that I did have that I just did not appreciate. Um, I started uh, working in laundry there. There's only 12 people, you know, that's allowed to work in the laundry in Ada. And I, I wanted to serve my community. I thought, you know what, this is the way I'm going to give back. So I made a schedule sat down with the Lord and I a commitment to read the Bible front to back to know if this is what I believe. Well, I better understand it and better read it because mm -hmm. I'd never read the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, as I did that, it kind of unlocked some steps for me. And so you ended up going into where, which uh, institutions uh, from Ada County? Where'd you go? Um, I went to South Boise. Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. I went for a rider. Um, I'll never forget the day when I saw my judge and he was not happy with me. He, uh, I had never felt so like sad that I disappointed somebody. I don't know why he made that thing pop in me, but it did. Mm -hmm. And the bailiff said, do you understand what you got here? You're going to prison. And I was like, I looked at him and I was like, eh, me, I'm, I'm going to prison. How did my life become this? And that was the question I asked myself when I saw the very first day at South on my bunk was, God, how did my life become this? And what do I do to change it? And so I understand we talked before on earlier that programming was was a key to some of that stuff. From, Hugely. From, yeah. Hugely. Let's talk a little bit about that, too, because you are a minority in people that funk the rider, by the way, because we pick up people from prison every day. And I'm picking up so many women. It seems like every judge in northern Idaho wants to send people on riders. And mm. so uh, I'm always picking up women from the, from South Boise, and they're all headed north on buses after doing their rider. So it does. It seems like judges up there give out riders more than they give out sentences. Well, so. My judge was from here, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, I'd heard that, too, about Northern Idaho. Um, you know, I haven't really dipped too much into that. I've just, from the gossip mill and But it is a small percentage of people, I guess my point is, that, that flunk their rider. It's not a... That flop it? Yeah, that flop. There was a lot of people, actually, really? that started to flop their rider when I went to leave. I was like, oh. what is going on here? Hmm. I think that Idaho is changing how we are doing incarceration and mm -hmm. rehabilitation. Um, I believe that I wholeheartedly see that, but it takes people to step into um, a voice to say what is needed. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I don't think should happen is people just go do time. Why just sit there? What are you going to do? How are you going to change your life? You're going to get out and you're going to do the same things, the criminal activity, same mentality. Um, you're not going to understand what your thoughts and beliefs are because you're just going through this motion of, you know. So you think the programming on the rider was more intense than it would be if you were going to the just regular presence. Absolutely. Think so? Yeah. You know, I went for two classes and when I saw, you know, um, Katie Eckenrode was the VSC there. And uh, when I saw what, after COVID, there was nothing, nothing for them. They just sat through their bunks. And uh, actually when I was there, there was a lot of people that were back because during COVID they couldn't do anything. Right. They couldn't get the programming. It was like, you sit on your bed, you don't have the interaction, you don't have the community, you don't figure out who you are away from society. And so when I got there, Oh man, there was there were so many activities that you could start to do that I started to plug in with that.
when you go for two classes and you see all this that you can do, I left with 12 certificates because I wanted to change my life. And that's how much, that's how badly I wanted to change my life. But it takes somebody deciding that. Nobody could decide it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know that as well as I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. It has to be on you. That is for certain. I just, it's interesting to see that um, they gave you those options and you were allowed to do them. I know sometimes when I was in the situation and it was pre, pre-COVID, obviously, we had to, I had to go out of my way to find classes to take mm-hmm. because they didn't want you to. And they wanted you to just go back and sit on your bunk and they wanted you to just yeah. hang out. Well, what was really cool was uh, at first I worked for Kifi because I was like, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm going to live life. Mm-hmm. If this is my reality, you know, um, and so I was working at Kifi and I immediately went, you know, within the first two weeks to... Um, one of their cashiers, which is, you know, fairly fast. If you know anything about Kifi, you know, mm-hmm. you, you walk around the thing and pull the food and you do the thing yeah. for a while. But, you know, I was getting paid a, a decent wage for, for prison, right. you know, wages. Something just hit me when I was there that I wanted to continue to give back and that even though I was making the $3 an hour, um, I really wanted to be in the VSC. Um, and I really wanted to help change the narrative of people's lives with the programming that's there and what we offer. And so I stepped into the role as the, um, the clerk mm-hmm. for the VSC and I had the one job out of 300 and I felt so honored that I got to do that job to bring people. What's your thoughts and beliefs? I mean, I brought smudge, I brought Wiccan smudge, I brought mm-hmm. native American Bibles in, you know, with Katie Ecken road. I mean, I didn't do it. Of course, yeah. let me just correct myself on that. Katie Ecken road did it, but I got to help facilitate that and just no, talk to people. Okay, so now we're out, and now you're in uh, what I think is one of the better um, situations in living for, for women who are in what we're in, you call the sober living, I think you said, but I'd, I was tending to classify it as transitional living. But let's talk a little bit about that. Um, when I was incarcerated, I started doing my research about what was out there and mm-hmm. what, what's offered, and I, and I talked to people, and I really wanted to know that I was going to a safe place. I didn't want to put myself into a situation that was going to be triggering um, when I say triggering, I just mean like active drug use inside the home, things like that. And I realize now that you can't actually escape that anywhere you go. That's going to be real life. And you have to have the coping mechanisms and the skills to handle that. One of the things I love is uh, at the Guardian where I'm at, Jacqueline and Travis Charters. It's a family. Mm-hmm. You know, we hold each other accountable. Um, it's it's not It's not like you're going in expecting somebody to tell you that you're doing wrong. You know, even if you make a mistake with something, they're there to support you and to find out what do you need. Um, they're always bringing in programs. They brought in the financial literacy program that Jack um, Dujanovic is teaching for IDOC. Uh, that's where I got that information. They're always, you know, promoting and showing different ways that we can uh, communicate to each other. I mean, gosh, they've helped me so much in just my own career uh, in in communicating better. You know, before I went into incarceration, I probably couldn't have communicated myself out of a paper bag. I didn't know what I needed or wanted, and it translated into some really bad behavior. I know that when we pick somebody up and we know they're going there, it's always it's there's a smile on my face because I know that they are good people and they they're relatively new and doing it the last couple of years, but they really do have a good energy and they provide. a tremendous support system for the women that stay with them. Yeah, I mean, they go to court for people that are in drug court. They, they'll sit with you. They'll, they'll take their time. You know, they've got very busy lives and, and amazing jobs and careers mm-hmm. that I just, I, I look at them and I think I want to be like them when I grow up. You know? Yes, I know. Um, and uh, one of the, one of his his sister works with us, and so she's an amazing lady too. So oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's really nice. That's a good family. Talk to you about the difference between. Uh, 
what you perceive to be the women's where all you women and what women, men would be like. You never anticipate what it would be like to live in a men's housing like that? Actually, I different? have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, much much different environment. I I kind of think it might be a little dirtier. <laughs> yeah, sure, it'd be dirtier. I don't know. I don't know if it, they would have the support. Um, you know, women are they're just different creatures. I said this the other day. Men have these boxes and they open it up and they take something out and they play with it and they put it back. Women, it's like spaghetti. <laughs> and so there is kind of a lot going on with women when you put a whole lot of women in a room. Yep, Grand. I was associated with uh, an association with four houses and. They always kept saying, when are you going to do women's houses? I said, absolutely never. <laughs> you know, it's far too. Women have, women have boyfriends and they have kids and it's just a mess. And so, yeah, I don't ever want to do that. But uh, <laughs> I've always, I always ask that question of people because it's so different than men's and women's houses. Yeah, I've actually thought about, would I like to be a guy ever? And I think, no, nope, yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> no, I don't think so. So you're a strong church affiliation. Want to talk about where you go to church and how that works? Uh, I go to Life Church. I actually started attending Life Church um, when I was in Ada County. Lori Cadillac brings the prison ministry into there. Mm -hmm. And um, I had some wrong, I allowed in some wrong teaching. And Mark, uh, the pastor, Mark yeah, and Amy, Mark yeah, Mark Bohr, over at Life Church, it was like uh, something just clicked one day with Lori brought in this message. It was called A Whole New World. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have I been believing this whole time? I always thought God just hated me and he just was here to pass judgment on me. I didn't know how much he loved me. I didn't know how much he wanted to give me a hope and a future to, you know, really prosper me. And that really helped with that. And coming out has been just wonderful, you know, helping with the prison ministry there at Life Church. I get to sit with women at East and support them and love them and see what they need. Um, Lori has just been a phenomenal friend and I, I t probably talk to her every other day through text, mm -hmm. but it's nice because even if I don't, she it's like she knows if I need to talk to her or I know you know who to reach out to. But coming out of incarceration, I had a, a phenomenal group of women that kind of caught me. And it's also, I think it's good that uh, the church, a lot of churches will say, we welcome you here. Boy, come see us and stuff like that when you get out. And life really lives that, if you will. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's presence because you'll see the people who are there and they really are. Uh, Mark and Mac, pr primarily. Are the Mac's people. my best friend. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised you say that. That's funny. Uh, but uh, no, I think that's great that he provides that environment to welcome people in and do that. He's done that for as long as I've known him for over a decade now. So yeah. that's interesting to see that he's made that community work. He's gone at it a couple of different ways. And so... It's nice. I'm glad you're there. Well, a healthy church grows, you know, and it's not just, I mean, it's a, it's a group of people that love each other. There's 98 life groups. If you can't get plugged in, I don't know what to do for you. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> You know, if it's, if you need it and if you want it, it's there. So there's people walking on the track listening to you and me right now, let's say, how do we convince them that this is something that they need to take a shot at? I've been doing this a little bit longer than you. I try to do it by example. I try to do it by the work I do. Try to encourage people to say, hey, be brave and take this step. Yeah. How, would, how, do, how do you think we do that? I think it starts with taking a real hard look at yourself and accepting where you've come from. Um, that sometimes bad things happen. <laughs> in, in looking at that, you have to go back and forgive people. And that also takes some, some struggle. And, and healing is not easy, I'll be honest mm -hmm. with you. But looking at the programming that they offer over at South, I, I encourage people. I mean, I was the person who was listening to these radio shows there and I was, I was just so hopeful. But if you look at, at what you need and you ask for help and that's the thing is we have to ask for help. We have to ask and say, look, I, I, I don't know what I'm feeling or I don't know how to heal from this. You know, take the grief class, take the, you know, right. seeking safety, 
take the steps. They're action steps, after all. And that's all he asks of us is to take the action steps, and God will direct our steps after that. Don't you think as you take those steps, though, and two, then messages come to you in terms of the things that happen, come, you know, it's, oh, surprise, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And sometimes it's hard to make the coalition between giving yourself up to this situation and saying, oh, this happened suddenly, and mm-hmm. making that correlation that it was him making that choice, not your, your efforts, right? Absolutely. And the thing about that is too, it's, you know, I, I realize it's not my, it's not the problem. That's the problem. Really. It's my response to the problem. How are you going to respond to this problem? Is this a problem in incarceration for you? Or do you like to be here? Is this where you want to be? And if not, what are you going to do about it? Yep. And then take some responsibility in what you did and uh, make amends and go forward and try to do the best you can in the days that follow. Kind of. Absolutely. You know, they've got the free to succeed mentorship that's out there that people, you know, you don't have to get out and just be empty like Mm -hmm. if you don't have a good support system build one i built a good support system i had to take that and i will say that i i took the opportunities that were there and i asked for them well i think we all have to do that not just in coming out of incarceration but you're driving around and never been incarcerated and you're listening to us that's something you need to just take forward take charge of your life and make some different changes and hang around the right people and start listening when god feeds back information to you it's positive and Mm -hmm. the world will really change even for Old fogies like me, it's it's changed and it's made life much much nicer and a piece of heart, piece of of your heart that's, you know, certainly uh, I'm very comfortable with every day. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like when you're driving a car. If you look over to the right, and then your steering wheel goes to the right. Yes. Sir. So where your vision goes, so where your life. And I true. and I believe that. That is very true. We should before we close the show, we should make a shout out to my wife who uh, <laughs> people <laughs> don't know this, but Kelly was the first. Uh, we went and brought some food to Nova one Saturday morning because she didn't have food. And uh, my wife said, you know, I think I'm going to go back and just, uh, and I said, okay, fine. And so she doubled back and spent time with you. And you may or may not know this. She's never done that before. So yeah. we tried to get her on the show today, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep working on that. So Yeah, we'll do that sometime. You know, one of the things that she did was just so humane. She said, I cannot let you stay in these clothes for 24 hours because I got out on a Friday mm-hmm. and then it was like nothing I had me I had my debit card and stuff but I'd just gotten out the whole world had changed in such right. a short time I can't imagine what somebody's coming out after 10 years looks like right yeah. and so my community caught me and Ronnie Henry said something about this last week about going in reaching in pulling out and catching those when they come out and that's really important um, I see that our community needs to come together and catch these people catch Catch our friends. These are our brothers, our sisters, our cousins, our moms, our dads. These people aren't bad people. Nope. They're just like you and me. So, yeah. yeah I, th- I got the sense that you and I will work together for a while. So I'm, I thank I'm you excited. for coming on and thank you for, uh, we'll have to give you Kelly's telephone number so you call her and make, make sure she get her on the show I next would time. love that. I would love that. Uh, you know, Dawn is at East and she's getting ready to go into Zicky. Did you hear that? She's going to go to work for us. Yes, but she she needs help with a car. She will get it. Well, it'll happen. Praise God for that. It'll happen. It'll happen. happen. (laughs) Okay, so that's enough for today. But we'll we'll do this again. And like I said, I think I look forward to the future with you. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, excited. I said this before in closing, and I'll say it again. I get to work with the neatest people, and I get to meet the nicest people. So I'm very fortunate and blessed. If you've heard something here today that you need information about, or more additional information, we're at www systemicchangeofid.com you can send me an email at systemicchangeofidaho it's all spelled out there at gmail.com we're on facebook at systemicchangeofid we're on instagram systemicchangeofid 
And you can even call me on the phone if you want to at area code 208-477-1006. Look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin. Perfect sacrifice Sufficient for